Our first reading this evening is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it was directed to the Jewish people as they were returning from captivity in Babylon, which is contemporary Iraq. Uh, they were taken there uh, as captives for years. And so when people came back after those 50 years to Israel, they were probably the children and grandchildren of those who were initially taken. And they didn't know very well uh, what, it, what it meant to be a Jew. And so the prophet Isaiah, speaking for God, of course, that's what prophets do, uh, gave them teachings. And the teaching that he's, he's giving today is trying to convince them that if, if they're gonna worship God, which is central to the life of Jewish people at the temple in Jerusalem, they had also to care for people. The worship of God was not enough to be a faithful Jew meant you had to do other things as well. So that's what he's saying here. And I think this is true about us too, right? We are the descendants of the Jews spiritually and we sometimes miss central parts of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We have to be women and men of prayer and worship. We're here in church this evening. But we also have to do something else, which is to help other people. So I'm gonna go through the list. Thus says the Lord, share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. And do not turn your back on your own. You know, that's directed to those of us who are able to take care of people outside our families, but sometimes aren't charitable towards the people we live with. If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. So it's important for us, if we're gonna be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, to be the kind of light that's described here which is very concretely committed to take care of others in the world around us, including the members of our family. We prove our love for God by loving our neighbor. And there's always a connection between worship and action that flows from our love for God. Now the reason this reading was picked, of course, by the church is because it talks about light and darkness. And Jesus speaks about that in today's gospel passage, where he pays you and me a couple of compliments. Now, Jesus starts this particular passage from the gospel of St. Matthew by saying to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say they're supposed to become, he said you are the salt of the earth. And a bit later, he talks about being a light to the world. 
Now for us to understand the metaphor that Jesus is using here, he's speaking in metaphor, which is an image to say in a kind of a graphic way something is true. For us to understand what he's saying, we have to understand what the, what the images of salt and light meant for a Jew of Jesus's time. You know, salt for us is so common, we buy in those big round containers, you know, it doesn't cost very much. But it was different for the Jews. So I looked it up historically, and what, what, what it meant for the Jews of Jesus's time. Uh, first of all, the, the word salt in Latin is sal, S-A-L. That's the Latin word for salt. And the English word salary comes from that word salt because Roman soldiers were sometimes paid with cakes of salt as their payment, their salary, and it came down through time uh, to mean receiving money for our work. But back in Jesus' day, salt was costly. It was hard to come by. And as I said, they often gave uh, cakes of salt as uh, payment for things. The English word salvation also comes from that word salt. salt. And the, the Latin word for health is salus. So the, the, the Latin, the Roman people, and of course the, the Greek-speaking people of Jesus' time saw salt as an essential part of human life. Not only human life, but the life of animals. Those of us who grew up on farms, I don't think there are too many here who've done that, uh, know that they put out salt licks for animals because they also need salt in their diet to have a balanced physical life. So salt was very valuable and salt was, was essential for human health. So when Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth, he's not imagining that container you get in the, in the supermarket, but something very valuable and something that's essential for human life and our own life and the life of others. Now, salt was used in, in those days as it's used in our days as uh, um, enhancement for food. We call it seasoning. You know, that we don't like bland food. Some of us don't like things spicy, but I think all of us like to have our food salted at least a little bit, you know. So another purpose for salt in human history is that it enhances whatever it's mixed with. And so when Jesus tells us that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, it means we're supposed to enhance that part of the earth where we are and those relationships that we have, you know, that we are somehow to enhance our friendships, our family, our place at work. We're supposed to be a positive influence there. Salt was also used in Jesus' time in a, in a, a lot more than it's used today for the preservation of food. They didn't have refrigeration. I don't know if, if they even had ice ever in the Holy Land, you know. So the way they preserved food was to salt it heavily in all kinds of food, vegetables as well as meat in those days. And it's interesting, you know, Jesus' best friends, his apostles, were fishermen, most of them, a significant number of them, I should say, 
And what they did when they, did, when they were fishermen, they weren't doing that for recreation. They were doing it as their, as their job, the way they supported their family. So most of the fish that Peter and Andrew and James and John caught were salted and sold in the market. Uh, you've heard of Mary Magdalene? She, uh, her name is Mary of Magdala. Magdala is a town uh, near uh, where Jesus preached in Galilee. And the word Magdala means a fish tower. So it probably was a town where they salted the fish that was caught in the Sea of Galilee. And it was salted and, and sold. It was so fish and meat and vegetables were salted in order to keep them fresh, to preserve them. And if we're going to be the salt of the earth, that means we have to be busy about caring for and preserving other people, you know. So, you know, it's very important images that when Jesus is speaking here for the Jewish people that they understood in a much more graphic way than we do because we take salt for granted and we buy it in the supermarket at a very cheap price. Also, it was part of the sacrifices in the temple. You know, when the Jews offered sacrifice, they mixed salt with the cereal that was, was burnt, the wheat and the grain, and also with the blood sacrifices of animals. It was part of the sacrificial ceremony. So the Jewish people always associated salt with the covenant relationship between themselves and God that was demonstrated by the sacrifices they offered in the temple. And the reason why salt was associated with the covenant, which is a permanent promise of fidelity, is because of this sense that it preserves. You know, It's a great image of staying faithful and not decaying. And God wanted the Jewish people to stay faithful in their covenant relationship with him and not to allow it to fade away. So Jesus says that you and I are to be salt. Are you? Am I, you know? The, the other metaphor that Jesus uses when he says you are in this gospel passage is the uh, image of metaphor of light. Uh, salt is sodium chloride. That's a, that's a chemical uh, word for it. Uh, light is electro electromagnetic radiation. I'm sure that the Jews of Jesus' time didn't understand that, but that's what it is. And the definition of the dictionary is light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Stimulates sight and makes things visible. Some other words related with light are very interesting words in the English language. And uh, if, we're said, if we're told to be the light of the world, these are supposed to be adjectives that would kind of define or describe us. Listen to some of the words, related words. Illumination. Are you illumination in your relationships with other people? Brightness. Are you bring brightness into the room or gloom when you enter a room, you know? Shining. Is your joy shining when you relate with other people? Brilliance, and it's not referring to intellectual uh, ability here, it's, it's talking about brightness, you know. Blaze, does your, does your Christian life blaze? Does it burn, does it glow, does it dazzle, you know? 
Uh, is your Christian life a refulgence of the glory of God? So when Jesus says that we're supposed to be the light of the world, he's telling us that we need to, by our lives and by our words, stimulate uh, others and make things visible, to make gospel discipleship visible in our relationships with other people. Light also does other things. You know, it, it is very important for sustaining life, actually. You've all heard of photosynthesis, the process by which the sun uh, works on the chlorophyll in the leaves and, and it produces uh, carbon dioxide and oxygen and all those so important things for us. Uh, sunlight gives us vitamin D. Without it, bad things happen to our bodies. Um, light also warms us. We know that especially in the winter. We all, flock, we all flock, if we can, afford it to Florida to get some light and sunshine. And, fear, and light takes away fear. We're all afraid of the night, afraid of the dark, but light takes away fear. So when Jesus says, you're supposed to be the light of the world, we're supposed to think of all those things, not just turning on a light switch, you know, but uh, the very important significance of light. And that's what disciples of Jesus are supposed to be. And that's why we had that first reading, you know, those wonderful things that were, were uh, told that uh, God requires of us, we give bread to the hungry, shelter to the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked, and do not turn our back on our own, remove oppression, false accusation, malicious speech from our lives, um, take care of the afflicted. And if we do all that, we shall truly be, as, as the prophet Isaiah says, a light that arises in the darkness. Now, I have two other reflections here that are very brief, actually just one. The thing that's, that's interesting about both salt and light is that they don't exist for themselves. Uh, I don't think most of us go around and eat a tablespoon of salt, you know. The only time we use salt is when we mix it with something else. I mean, it exists to enhance something else, right? And most of us don't go outside and stare at the sun you know, or we don't stare at light bulbs. We turn on the light in order to see something else, you know. And, you know, the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is sacrifice, which is to forget ourselves and begin to live in total service of God and, and our neighbors. In other words, to exist for others. Primarily, by primarily, I mean, first of all, God, but then essentially, also our neighbor. We learn that from our first reading from the prophet Isaiah. So to be a disciple means to be salt and light, you know, to be self-sacrificing, to live in the service of God and our neighbor. And I pray for that gift for you and for me as we try to respond with all our hearts in covenantal fidelity to the word of God that comes to us today. May God bring to completion the good things he begins in us at this Mass.